We are continuing in our Long Story Short series. Um, and what we're doing in this series is we are looking at signposts. Uh, and these signposts help us understand the story of Scripture and what God has for us as we read through to, to understand what's happening in the Bible and what is it that God's communicating with. And, and some of you, uh, I've had... I've had emails or, or conversations. Some of you are like, man, you're leaving a lot out. Yes, I know, right? That's why it's long story short, right? We're, we're summing up with these signposts, this story of scripture. And so I know that there's, there's narratives and there's things that we're missing, um, but, but we're looking at these signposts. And, and today we are on the signpost of the prophets. This signpost will actually wrap up our Old Testament and next week, um, ironically enough, as we start Advent, we will get into um, the New Testament and we'll start with the coming of the Messiah in Jesus Christ. And, and it'll line up perfectly with our, our Advent season, right? But, but we're walking through these signposts, everything from the fact that God is real and he creates, Right? To sin enters the world. And God offers us a hope of redemption. And he does it through a people that he creates through the person of Abraham. Right? And, and, and then he leads that people group out of Egypt. And he establishes a covenant with them and makes them a unified nation. Um, and, and in disobedience they wander. And in obedience they enter the promised land and they conquer. And then once they're there, there's a time of wavering. We know this is the time of the judges. And then Pastor David last week talked to us about how at the end of the time of the judges, with 1 Samuel, the last judge of Israel... Um, as he's about to die, the people say, we're done wavering back and forth. It, we, we, we don't want to do this anymore. We want you to give us a king so that we can be like all of the other nations of the world. And, and Samuel reminds them, you're not supposed to be like all of the other nations of the world. You're supposed to not have a human king. You're supposed to follow the God of the universe. And you're supposed to let him be your king. And, and the people say, yeah, no, no, no. We want a king. And God says, you don't want a king. If you have a king, all of these bad things are going to happen. And he lays out the things that will happen if they have a king. And they say, yeah, we hear you, but no, we want a king. And so God says, fine. And he gives them what they think they want, which is a human king. And Pastor David shared with us some of the history um, that, that the king brings hardship, division, and eventually leads the people into exile, right? So, so we know historically that Israel is a united nation for a time. About a hundred some years, they are a unified nation. But because of the sin of Solomon, the king, um, the nation is divided into a northern kingdom and a southern kingdom. The northern kingdom has no godly kings in its history. And after about 370 years or so, the northern kingdom is um, sent into exile. They're conquered by the Assyrian nation and they're sent into exile. The southern kingdom lasts a little bit longer because they have some godly kings mixed in there. But eventually their sin catches up with them. God sends judgment. They're sent into exile um, by the Babylonians. And then we enter into this time called the exile. The exile is 70 years long. 
From the time that Israel is no longer in its land, but has been sent into exile by the Babylonian army, a time period of 70 years where God restores the land and he judges his people. And he tells them that after that 70 years is over, this is, uh, we read about this in the time of Daniel, that after that 70 years is over, that God will call the Israelites out of exile and back into the land and they will resettle the land. And so after 70 years, God calls them back and they reform as the nation of Israel in the promised land. Though there's a problem. While they reform as a nation, they aren't actually autonomous. They don't really have a king, right? They have a king that's over them, but he's not really in charge of them. Instead, that king answers to whoever the world power is. For a while, when they come back, when Israel comes back after the exile, it's the Medes and the Persians. Then it's the Greeks. Um... Then, then it's, it's um, a battle between some of the Greek factions. And eventually, at the time of Jesus, it's Rome that's in power. And so while Israel has a king, at the time of Jesus, it's Herod. Herod really has no power because he answers to the emperor of Rome, who is over the whole world. Okay? But it's in this time, the time of the United Kingdom, the divided kingdoms, the exile time, and then the time when they come back. It's in this time that God ordains and brings up this role of the prophet. And it's important for us to understand the signpost of the prophets for a couple of reasons. One is because it makes up a good chunk of scripture. And and we're going to read, there are 13 books in in, uh, what I had pastors used to call the clean part of the Bible because we don't read it very often. 13 books that make up the books of the prophets. But as we read the historical books, 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel, 1 Kings, 2 Kings, 1 Chronicles, 2 Chronicles, Ezra, Nehemiah, Ruth, Esther, as we read those books, we read about a lot of other prophets that are in there too. And so it's important that we understand the signpost, one, so that we can understand what those prophets are doing, what God's called them to do. But more importantly, it's important for us to understand the prophets because... This is where we'll end today. I'm going to tell you now where we're going to end. This is it. Because God has called us to be prophets. Clearly, simply, and we'll see this from Scripture, right? God has called us to be prophets. And we're going to track through how that works. We're going to wrestle with this. Okay? Now, in human terms, a prophet is just somebody who predicts. Somebody who tells us what's going to happen. Right? Um... There are a lot of prophets in that sense in our world today. Sometimes, right, they're right. Sometimes they're wrong. If they're right most of the time, great. We listen to them. If they're wrong a lot, we ignore them. But they're just people that kind of check the landscape. They see what's happening, and then they predict what's going to happen. Those are are kind of the prophets around today, right? They, they kind of check the landscape. They see what's happening. We have prophets that do that with the stock market, right? They tell us what's going to happen on the stock market, right? Should we buy? Should we sell? Are we in? Are we out? What's going on, right? They tell us what's going to happen um, with, with individuals. They tell us what's going to happen with politics, right? What's happening on a world scale. And that's the way we use the word prophet at times. But when we get into scripture, 
we understand that prophets something more. These aren't people that read the landscape and tell us what it's going to be like. Tell us what might happen. But in scripture, prophets are people that are very specifically and very clearly called by God to share a message of God to the people. We're going to see that in Scripture. I'm going to ask you to open up your Bible if you're at home. Go ahead and flip it open if you're here. Um, you'll, you'll see some on the screen, not all of it. But we're going to be in Jeremiah chapter 1. We'll jump around a little bit, but this is where we'll live today. Jeremiah chapter 1, we see that Jeremiah is a prophet that is called by God. We start in, in verse 4. Look at this. Prophet called by God. The Lord gave me this message. This is Jeremiah talking. He says, I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Before you were born, I set you apart and I appointed you as my prophet to the nations. Now there's something that we need to know there. Before we get too far in um, to, to prophets, is that this is not hyperbole. This is not just a, a, a way of speech that says to Jeremiah from God, hey, I picked you. Right? Like, I'm looking around in all of Israel, and I see you, and I say, hey, Jeremiah, I want you on my team. That's, that's not what this means. When God says, I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb, before you were born, I set you apart and appointed you to be a prophet to the nations, God is stating a fact. Right? And the fact is this. That before Jeremiah was formed in the womb, God had a specific plan for Jeremiah. And as God knit Jeremiah together in the womb, he did so with the end goal of Jeremiah being a prophet to the nations in mind. Right? When we read Psalm 139, David, when he writes that, says, look, this is the truth. You knit me together in the womb. In the secret place, in the quiet place, you knew me before I was born. Every day of my life was laid out before you like a book. David says, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Listen to me. So was Jeremiah, and so are you. We're going we're to push pause on the prophet talk, and, and, and I just want to encourage you in this. None of you are an accident, Humanly speaking, maybe you were an accident. A surprise. Surprise is better than accident. Humanly speaking, maybe you were a surprise. All right, humanly speaking. Maybe your children were a surprise. But not to God. See, God says, I knew you before you were born. I made you, I formed you in your mother's womb. Before you were born, I set you apart. Like, this is intentional. And it's not just true for Jeremiah and David. It's true for all of the prophets. It's true for every person. It's true for all of us. This is one of the reasons, now we don't need to get too far into this right now, but this is one of the reasons that the church must always speak out against abortion. Like, I mean, there is grace and forgiveness for people that have made that mistake, that have committed that sin. But, but ultimately, this is one of those things that we understand. If this is true, and the Bible doesn't lie to us, if this is true, that God knew them 
And God formed them. And God set them apart for a purpose. God intentionally does this. And it's not up to us to decide something different. This, this matters. This is important for us to wrap our heads around. Prophets are called by God. And what we're reading here in this sense is they're not called because they have certain characteristics and certain qualities that make them called by God. What we're reading here is that they have those qualities and they have those characteristics because God has already called them. Because God has already set them apart. Right? It makes sense that if God decided before Jeremiah was formed in the womb that Jeremiah was going to be a prophet, that God would form Jeremiah in the womb with certain tendencies and characteristics and personalities that would thrive in that role. The ability to be lonely. The ability to speak powerfully. The ability to discern truth. It makes sense that those are things that are in Jeremiah because God wove them into Jeremiah. That's what he's made for. And here's the thing. Can I tell you this? When God made you, when God formed you, when God knit you together in your mother's womb, when he made you fearfully and wonderfully, he did the same for you. Like he wove you together with tendencies, with characteristics, with strengths, and with abilities that when you dedicate yourself to him will help you be who he's called you to be. So I loved, I loved uh, if, you, if you remember a couple of weeks ago, Justin's testimony talking about the way that he was wired, that he's artistic and creative in nature. And he always thought that that went contrary to his relationship with God. But when he realized that God created him that way and he could use those gifts to glorify God, that things fell into place. We think about the, the testimony video we just heard from Philip talking about how God has wired him to to decide that he wants to be involved in leadership. That's not an accident. God has created that passion, that craving in him so that when it is properly directed at the things of God, then everything comes into place. That's true for Jeremiah. It's true for you. I mean, how many times do we sit around and we say, ah, what was I made for? What am I supposed to do? What kind of career do I want? What kind of job do I want? I mean, some of you are in your 50s and you're still trying to figure out what you're going to do when you grow up. Right? This is, this is the thing, right? Like, God has wired us specifically to be about um, the work he has for us. He did that for us. He's done it for Jeremiah. He tells us here, I knew you before you were born. You are called to be a prophet. You didn't just wake up one day and decide to be a prophet. I formed you that way and I set you apart so that you would be my prophet to all the nations, right? Listen, prophets are called by God, but we understand this in scripture too. Prophets also speak for God. That's why he calls them, so that they can be his mouthpiece. Prophets speak for God. Keep going in Jeremiah, right? Jeremiah says, oh, sovereign Lord, I can't speak for you. I'm too young. He says, I can't do it. 
I can't speak. I don't know enough, right? When he says he's too young, he's, it's like, I don't know enough. People won't take me seriously, right? And God says, no, 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 don't say that. Don't say that. He's like, man, did, didn't you, did, look, go back to the first part. I formed you in the womb. I set you apart before you were born. And you're going to say to me, God, I don't have what it takes. Because that's really what Jeremiah is saying here. He's saying, God, I can't be a prophet to the nations. I don't have what it takes. And God is saying, are you kidding me? Didn't you hear what I just said to you? I knew you before I formed you. I set you apart before you were born. Are you really, Jeremiah, are you really going to say to me, God, you did a bad job? He says, don't you dare. Don't say to me that you're too young. And, and anything Jeremiah would have plugged in there, God would have shot down. I'm too old. I'm not smart enough. I don't know enough. Right? Nobody likes me. Like, like God would have shut everything down because I knew you before I formed you. And when I formed you, I did it on purpose to set you apart because I wanted this. He says, so don't say you're too young. And then here's what he says. This is what you must do. You must go wherever I send you and say whatever I tell you. And do not be afraid of the people because I will be with you and I will protect you. I, the Lord, have spoken. It's kind of like he slams his foot down and he says, that's it. Like parents, you, you know this, this talk, right? Parents, you, you get this one where, where you get to the point where you're like, and that is it. I don't want to talk about this anymore. Like, I have made this decree. This is done. He's like, don't tell me that you don't have what it takes. I made you to have what it takes. You are going to speak for me what I tell you you're going to say. And nobody will bother you because I will protect you. And that is it. I have spoken. That's done. Story over. And that's the way this goes. Right? Prophets, we have to understand this now. Prophets are called by God to speak for God. Now, I, we got to be careful here because in our world, there are such a thing as false prophets. And we have to talk about this idea of false prophets a little bit. Jesus warns us in Scripture. Paul warns us in Scripture. Hey, be aware of false prophets prophets, right? He talks about these things as wolves dressed up in sheep's clothing, right? Wolves are dangerous to sheep, but they wear sheep's clothing so they can sneak their way in and devour, right? He's like, so be aware of these things called false teachers, and we have to be aware of that. The people of Israel in Jeremiah's day had to be aware, and so do we. Do you know why? Because it is really easy to compromise the word of God. It is really easy to compromise the word of God. But here's what God says. That you are called and he says, you will speak what I say. You'll go where I send you and you'll say whatever I tell you. In a sense, I get to be a prophet of God. As a pastor, I've been called by God. Right? I didn't wake up one morning and say, you know what? Sounds like a great idea. I should be a pastor. Right? But it was a call that God put in me, that he grew in me. And the more obedient I became to God, the more clear it became that I was called to do this. 
And he says, you'll go where I send you. And I did. Listen, listen, I'm in Vinton. I like Vinton, right? I like Vinton. But it turns out that Vinton is unlike any other place that I had ever lived. Because it's kind of tiny. Now, I know those of you that are from Vinton are very upset right now. You're like, Vinton is not a small town. Vinton is big. I know. I know. For you, it is. Right? But if you're from a bigger place and you move to Vinton, it's not very big. Right? But I'm here because God called me here. If, and I've known pastors that have done this. I've known pastors that have been places where they're not sure God was calling them. We were offered churches to go pastor where we clearly felt God was not calling us, where he was saying, don't go there. I guarantee you, if we had gone there, it would have ended badly. It would have been problematic. It would have been unsuccessful. We've known pastors that have, that have gone to churches where God's call was not clear and it does not end well. We go where God's called, but, but here's, here's the one. We say what God tells us to say. And there are pastors that are quick to compromise the word of God. There are pastors, there are teachers, there are church leaders that are quick to compromise the word of God. But as someone who is called by God, someone who has gone where God has told us to go, we are only allowed to teach what God has told us to teach. We do not get to compromise. You know, I was talking to you about abortion a minute ago. And that's not the end-all, be-all of topics, although, man, it's a pretty important one. But we could go to any number of churches, even in this community, where a pastor or a reverend or a leader or someone might stand on a platform similar to this one, and they might argue with you. They might teach you. They might share with you how God says it's okay. That abortion is not against God's plan. And I got to wonder, man, what are they reading? Because as, as, as someone who speaks for God, we can only say what God has told us to say. And in this instance, it's clear that he knows us before we're formed. He's the one that forms us. He's the one that gives our life value and purpose. And it's not on us to decide that that's true or not true. Right? We have to be really careful about this. I've got to be careful as a pastor not to say things that God has not um, clearly directed. You've got to be careful as a congregation not to accept truth as things that God hasn't clearly said. Right? This is why we always say, like, like look, you hear me and hopefully you, hopefully you trust me, but, but ultimately if something doesn't sound right to you, check it. Get in the word. Dig in. You don't believe things because we've said them. You believe things because they are the word of God expounded. Right? But, but prophets are called by God and they speak for God. And there is such a thing as false prophets. We read about them in scripture all the time. There's two kinds. Right? One is, is a, a prophet who speaks for a false God. As a church, we don't like those, but they don't really scare us because we know what they are. We read about them in scripture, the prophets of Baal, the prophets of Asherah, 
right? They are prophets that are speaking for a false god, which is really satanic, right? They're speaking for demons. They're telling you, this is what that false god, that demon says. This is what they want from you. We as Christians, we don't get scared by those. We don't worry about those. We preach against them. We talk against them, but we don't We don't give them much thought because we're not confused about what that is. We know that's falseness. We know that's a false prophet. The ones that we worry about, like I've been saying, the ones we worry about are the ones who speak for God, but they speak falsely. And the danger, the danger with that is that they look and sound good. The Bible tells us that those kind of prophets, those kinds of teachers, the ones that speak for God, but they speak false out of their mouths, they tickle our ears. They say things we like to hear. And so we tend to listen to them because we walk away from something they say thinking, oh yeah, I really like that. You know why? Because it makes my faith easier to believe. It makes people like Christians better. It seems nicer. And so we, we think about that. And, and we get a perfect example of this kind of falseness, these false prophets in 1 Kings 22. In 1 Kings 22, uh, this is during the time of the divided kingdom. Excuse me. This is during the time of the divided kingdom. And you have uh, the king of the northern tribes is called King Ahab. Now, King Ahab is an evil dude. He is a bad king, right? We read about him a lot Um, And he is awful. He reigns for a really long time, and he does a lot of evil and bad in that really long time. We're getting towards the end of his life now in, in 1 Kings 22. The king of the southern tribes is a guy named Jehoshaphat. Right? I don't know if that's really how you say his name or not, but neither do you. So let's go with it. Jehoshaphat. So you've got King Jehoshaphat, who's part of the southern tribes. He's the king of the southern tribes of Israel. King Ahab is kings of the northern tribes. They're not a unified kingdom anymore. But in this instance, they ain't mad at each other. They're nice to each other. Right? They're allies. And so King Jehoshaphat is visiting King Ahab. And King Ahab is telling him, hey, there is this piece of um, land that we used to own as a nation, right? It's this city that used to be ours that was taken from us in battle. It's called Ramoth Gilead, and it was mine, and I want to go get it back. And so he says to King Jehoshaphat, as my ally, will you go with me? Will you bring your army, put your army with mine, and our armies together will go take back this city for me, for my kingdom, And King Jehoshaphat says, yeah, brother, I am with you. Let's do it together. But first he says this, maybe we should talk to a prophet and find out if the Lord is on our side. Right? He says, I'll go to battle with you, but I'm only going to go to battle with you if the prophet of God says, yes, God blesses the battle. So, King Ahab calls 400 prophets together. This is where we pick up in 22.6 on the screen. So the king of Israel summoned the prophets, about 400 of them, and asked them, should I go to war against Ramoth Gilead or should I hold back? Right? And this is what the prophets say, all 400 of them. Uh, One of them, Zedekiah, made some iron horns and he proclaimed, hey, 
This is what the Lord says, right? He is saying, thus saith the Lord. Here's what, here's what Zedekiah is saying. I heard from God, and I am going to tell you what God says. I heard from God, and I'm telling you what God says, and God says that you will gore the Arameans to death. All the other prophets, all 399 of the other prophets said, yep, he's right. He heard from God, that's what God says. Go up to Ramoth Gilead and you will be victorious because the Lord will give the king a victory. That's what they said. That's what 400 prophets said. But Jehoshaphat knows something is wrong. In his spirit, it doesn't feel right. Ahab calls 400 prophets who say, yes, God told us to tell you, you will win this battle. Jehoshaphat says, though, hey, is there not also a prophet of the Lord here? We should ask him the same question. He's saying, like, like, time out, time out. Isn't there a guy that actually talks to God? You've got these other prophets, but something seems off with them. Isn't there a prophet of the Lord that we could actually talk to? And, and, and King Ahab says, well, yeah, there's this one guy. His name's Micaiah, but I don't like him. Because every time he prophesies, it's something bad about me. But Jehoshaphat says, call him. I want to hear from him. So they go get him. Meanwhile, the messenger who went to get Micaiah pulls him off to the side and he says, look, dude, all the prophets that we've talked to have promised the king victory. So here's what you do. Be sure that you agree with them and promise success. Be sure that you tell him what he wants to hear. And he says, no, 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 I can't. Micaiah says, as surely as the Lord lives, I will only say what the Lord has told me to say. Listen to me, church. These are the people you listen to. Not the 400 that are telling you what you want to hear. Don't listen to the 400 that are telling you what you want to hear. You listen to the one who says, as surely as I live, as surely as the Lord lives, all I can tell you is what the Lord has told me to say. 400 say, yes, you want to attack that town, attack that town, God will make you victorious. One says this. Micaiah told him, in a vision, I saw all of Israel scattered like sheep without a shepherd. And the Lord said, their master has been killed. Send them home in peace. You know what that, what that message says? It says, Ahab, you can attack them if you want, but you will die. And your people that you have been shepherding will be like sheep without a shepherd who can finally go home in peace because you are no longer here. See, here's the problem. We read this about prophets in the Old Testament. And we infer it in the New, and we know that it's true today. People speaking the truth of God, sometimes they're well-respected. Sometimes. More often than not, more often than not, they are treated badly. More often than not, they're beaten. They're thrown in jail. Often they're beheaded or executed. We read that all throughout 
the Old Testament, we read about these prophets in hiding, these prophets who are killed and murdered because all they have done is say what the Lord told them to say. And oftentimes what the Lord is telling them to say is not what the people in power want to hear. Here in this country, we haven't had to deal with that to that degree. But if you lived as a Christian today in other parts of the world, the same thing would be true. Preaching the word of God does not always go well when all we do is say what God has told us to say. I can imagine that for Jeremiah, part of how God wired him, part of what God put in him, part of how he was formed together in his mother's womb, part of how God called him and set him apart was to prepare him for ridicule and loneliness and frustration because Jeremiah is going to be rejected. He's going to be thrown in pits. He's going to be kidnapped. As we read the book of Jeremiah, this is Jeremiah 1 where God is saying, I called you, I formed you so that you would do this for me and I'll be with you. It's going to be okay. But in Jeremiah's life, so much happens But we know that God prepared him for it. There are false prophets in scripture and there are false prophets today. But the real prophet says this. As surely as the Lord lives, I will say only what the Lord tells me to say. And so here's what we know. We know that prophets are people that are called by God and that they speak for God. All right, now just real quick, I want to show you, um, I'm going to show you a little bit here uh, so you can understand your Old Testament better. There are a lot of prophets that you'll read about in 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel, uh, 1 Kings, 2 Kings, 1 Chronicles, 2 Chronicles, Ezra, Nehemiah, right? As you read through these books, Esther, um, uh, Ruth, as you read through these, you'll read about prophets that aren't in your Bible. I mean, they're in there as characters, as real people that lived and ministered. But God has seen fit to record for us in Scripture um, Let's see, there are 17 different prophetic books, right? Written by 16 different people, right? Um, And and a lot of times these are hard for us to read. And the reason they're hard for us to read is because they're not chronological, right? That we don't always understand them where they go. So there are a couple of resources at the resource tables on your way out. There's one called Understanding Your Bible, And there's one called How to Read Your Bible. They're just little booklets. If you don't have them, take one with you if you want. And and what it does is it it kind of helps you understand where these things are taking place. What's happening in history chronologically? Where does it fit? What's the message? Um, But but the book of Isaiah is the first. and, And it is what we would call a major prophet. And we've got Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and Daniel. These are the major prophets. We call them major prophets not because they're more important than the other ones. We call them major prophets because what we have recorded for us is many prophecies over the course of their life that they have recorded at God's direction. They've recorded these prophecies in one work. And so they're major prophets because there's a lot of prophecies that go into the one, right? When you read the book of Isaiah, it is not one time deal. It is the course of the prophecies that God gave him to share over the course of his life, 
right? Same with Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and Daniel. And when you get to the minor prophets, there's 12 of them. The minor prophets, these are one-time deals where God gives Hosea a prophecy for right now to share. Where God gives Joel a prophecy to share, and so he records it and it's shared, but it's this one moment in history, not necessarily over the course of his life. So we see that they're recorded differently, right? That's why they're major and minor prophets. And the prophets, when they talk to us, they they usually write about three different things. They write about what happens in the past. And when they write about the past, here's what they're doing. They're reminding the people of God's goodness, It's not uncommon as you read the prophets for them to talk about God's faithfulness. Remember, remember the promise he made to Abraham. Remember how he brought you out of Egypt. Remember how he parted the Red Sea. Remember how he made a special covenant with you. Remember how he conquered the land and and that, that he allowed you to enter it. Like, remember these things. Looking backwards. And a lot of times the reason they're looking backwards is because then the prophet says something about the present. And usually it's correction. Remember everything God did and how he's called you to obedience? And then take a look at yourselves right now. Oftentimes the prophet is calling out the fact that the people are serving false gods. They're worshiping idols. The prophet calls out the fact that the rich are oppressing the poor. Many times the prophet is calling out the fact that people can't find real justice in the land. Many times he's he's saying to the people of Israel, remember everything God did for you. Why aren't you trusting him now? And then not only do prophets look at the past and, and, and the present, but they're always looking ahead. And when they look ahead, they look ahead to a couple of different things. The first is destruction. Remember what God did. You're being disobedient. So justice and judgment is coming. It's coming. God will bring calamity on you. God will actually, we read this way back when in covenant, God will fight against you if you continue to be disobedient. But not only do they look ahead at judgment, they look ahead at restoration right? So God will judge because of your disobedience, but then there's coming a time where God will restore. The prophet Isaiah especially talks about uh, the coming of the new king. And prophets are always looking ahead to the coming of Jesus Christ. In fact, you can know this. um, There are over 350 prophecies in the Old Testament that are fulfilled in Jesus Christ. Over 350 of them Fulfilled in Jesus Christ. The prophets will tell you, remember what God did. Here's where we're stuck now and judgment is coming. But there's also coming restoration through this person called the Messiah, the new king. And then prophets point to this future day. This great and glorious day of the Lord where he will make all things new. And each prophet tackles that differently. Some are with visions, some are with dreams, some are with stunts. I mean, God has Isaiah walk around naked for three years. Why? Because it's a picture of how um, the Egyptians will, or the Assyrians will defeat and strip naked the Egyptians and judgment will become because of their evilness, 
right? I mean, it's weird stuff, but, but God is doing this for a purpose, right? So through visions, through poems, through, um, through um, dreams at times, God communicates to the prophets and they share these messages with the people. They're called by God and they speak for God. They proclaim messages from God. And so here's where we end. Here's why it matters for us to understand this. And it's simply because you are a prophet. You know, we talked earlier, like, that's a role I find myself in. Called by God. Sent by God to speak for God. Well, guess what? Christian, if you are here and you are a follower of Christ, that's what you are called to do also. Here's what Paul says in, in, in 2 Corinthians 5. He says, all of this is a gift from God. All of what? Well, in 17, he talks about the fact that you, if you are a believer in Christ, you are made new in Christ. Your old life is dead and gone. Your new life is born in its place. That's what it means to be born again, right? When Jesus is talking in, in John 3 to Nicodemus and he says, you must be born again. He's talking about not being physically born again, but being spiritually born again. Your old spiritually dead life is gone. Your new spiritually alive life is born born in its place when you decide to follow Jesus. By the power of the Holy Spirit, you are made new, right? That's what 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says. In Christ, you are a new creation. The old spiritually dead life is gone. The new spiritually alive life is born in its place. And all of this in 18 is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. We have been called and set apart. How are we called? Well, we were dead And in Christ, we are now made new and alive. When we were physically born, God formed us in our mother's womb. When we are physically born, he formed us in our mother's womb. When we are spiritually reborn and made new, he forms us new in Christ through the Holy Spirit. We are called and set apart, right? We are called by God. But you know what? It's not just that we're called by God. We speak for God. We are given a message from God. Keep reading. God has given us the task of reconciling people to himself. For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. We have been called by God and we have been given a message by God, the message of reconciliation that we are to share with other people. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God makes his appeal through us. We speak for Christ. When we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering of our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. Listen to me. You are a prophet of God. You're called by God. He formed you through the power of the Holy Spirit. He made you new. He has given you a message to speak. It is the message of reconciliation. And it says clearly here, we speak for Christ. We are prophets. And just like Jeremiah said, God, I'm not sure I can do this. I'm not sure I have what it takes. And God said, knock it off. Don't tell me you don't have what you need. I made you with what you need. He says the same thing to you and me. Like, God, I I don't really... And I don't have what it takes to share the gospel with people. I don't have what it takes to work to be an agent of reconciliation. I don't have what it takes to share this message of hope. And he says, knock it off. Yes, you do. I physically formed you in your mother's womb. And then I spiritually made you new in Christ. And I've given you the words to speak. 
It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. You're like, I don't even know how to share that. Well, write it down. Here's basically what you say. Come back to God. For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. That is the essence of the gospel, the the message of reconciliation. And you as a prophet are called to share it. This is not complicated stuff. This is what we're made for, church. If you are sitting here as a Christian, you've not only been physically formed, but you've been remade in Christ, and you've been given a message from God, and you are called to speak for him. We wrap up here with Ephesians 2.10 in the same vein. Here's what Paul says to the church in Ephesus. He says, man, we're God's masterpiece. You're like, but God, I don't know that I'm good enough to share your message of reconciliation. I don't know that I'm smart enough to talk to people about the gospel. I don't know that I'm brave enough. I don't know that I've got what it takes. And he says, man, knock it off. He says, not only did I remake you, I made you as a masterpiece. You are God's masterpiece. Do you know what that means? That word for masterpiece is work of art. You are God's artwork. If God had a fridge, he would put a picture of you on it. You're that, like you're a fridge paper. You know those papers your kids bring home from school and you're like, this one, let's be honest, it's not your best work. I'm going to throw it in the trash. This one though, this one goes on the fridge. You're a fridge paper. Some of you have never thrown your kids stuff away. It's okay. They know it's not their best effort. Trust me. It's all right. Right? But sometimes, it's like me. I know it. Sometimes it's worth the fridge. Listen, God says, you are my work of art. You are my masterpiece. I made you new in Christ. I formed you spiritually through Christ so that you could do the good things planned for you a long time ago. You'll notice how that's the same thing he's saying to us that he said to Jeremiah. He's saying to Jeremiah, I knew you before you were born. Before I formed you, I knew you. I set you apart to do this work for me. He says to us, you're my masterpiece. I made you new in Christ. Why? Why did I set you apart? Why did I call you? Why did I make you new? So you could be an agent of reconciliation. So you could be about this work that I planned for you a long time ago. Listen, you are a prophet of God. You've been called by God. You've been set apart. You have a message from God of reconciliation and you are told to speak for him when you share it. So my question for you is this. Who's he calling you to? When he, when he called Jeremiah, he had a very specific calling in mind for Jeremiah. And he has a very specific calling in mind for each and every one of you. Things he planned for us to do a long time ago. Who, who is he asking you to minister to? Where is he calling you to? You know, for some of you, he's calling you to family members and neighbors to transform your neighborhood, to transform your workplace, to share the message of reconciliation. Some of you, maybe he's calling you away from here. 
Maybe he's calling you um, to another place, to a mission field. I, I, I don't know, but, but he has work that he has planned for you a long time ago. He has remade you. He's called you. He set you apart so that you can speak for him. Where is he calling you to specifically? Here's what I want you to do. I want you to not go to sleep tonight without asking God to clearly show you what it is he set you apart for. Because I promise you it's something. And so I can be a part of that with you and I can pray for you and I can encourage you. I want you, send me an email, shoot me a text, right? If all I get in an email is from you is a location or you tell me about your neighborhood or some individuals, then it just helps me know what it is that you feel like God's calling you to do with your message of reconciliation. And I can pray with you for that. But it's great for us to know about the Old Testament prophets, but it only matters for us if we understand that we are called in the same way. We are set apart. We have been given a message of reconciliation and we speak for God. I'm going to pray for you and uh, we'll close the service. Heavenly Father, God, we love you. We thank you. God, we thank you for these signposts in Scripture that that help us not only understand the story of the Bible, your story, um, and how we fit, but, but also give us clear indications of the ways that we are supposed to be working and ministering even today. God, we thank you that we don't have to look in the mirror and wonder what our lives are supposed to be about but that we know what our lives are supposed to be about. We've been made new in Christ. We've been set apart and we have been called to minister as agents of reconciliation as we share the gospel with people that need to know it. Father, I pray that you'll communicate directly to our hearts where it is that you've sent us, who it is that needs this wonderful message. And I pray that you will help strengthen us so that we know even though it might not always seem like it's going well, God, that you, like you were with Jeremiah, that you are with us, that you will strengthen us, and you will see us through. Father, we love you, and we praise you, and we thank you. Amen.